Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Friends, Roto World's Josh Norse here with another episode of the most important and popular podcast in the universe. That is the Roto World Football Podcast. I'm sure you've drafted by now, but if you have not, go to rotoworld.com slash draft guide. Once again, rotoworld.com slash draft guide. And before we do anything else, I want to thank everyone that made August our best podcast month of all time. And if you like what you hear right now, Press that subscribe button. And if you like really enjoy it and you want to like be the 5% of the audience that we think most highly of, you can take 30 seconds and rate and review this episode. It would really, really, really appreciate it. And Ray's dog is part so, of that 5%. I can yeah, already can, tell. Can we start on? Yeah, can we start this again? And yeah. I'm going to go put the dog outside. Yeah, you're good. And before we get to today's podcast, I do want to mention that. As the season goes along, we'll have a Tuesday episode with Ray Summerlin and myself. Then Ray will be hosting Thursday's episode with Rich Rebar and Nick Minzio. And finally, Fridays with me, Josh Norris, Patrick Darty, and Evan Silva. So we got three podcasts each week. Again, I hope you subscribe and enjoy along the way. All right, Ray, back in the swing of things. It's like we never, ever stopped. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I don't like that we never ever stop thing. It does feel that way, and that makes me feel sad and old. But uh, but yeah, we're back. Another season approaching very quickly. Time to you know take a look at that draft mm-hmm. that you thought was so good three weeks ago, and <laughs> and maybe make some assessments about about your football team and what it means. Yeah, say you drafted Jonathan Williams because of my advice, and now you probably just want to drop him. We still don't know who's going to land at this point in recording this episode. So, Ray, let's talk through each position, maybe pick up some guys that uh, could possibly be used as streamers or even just options to get ahead of the curve that could hopefully help them down the road. Let's start with quarterback. Uh, And obviously, you write the waiver-wired piece for Roto World. Uh, The quarterback, after my own heart and a few others in those first four weeks or three weeks, is Carson Palmer. What are your thoughts on Carson Palmer as an early season uh, pickup and start? Well, he won't be in the column because he is a little bit too high owned at Yahoo. He's 63%. But he's been somebody I have been you know, recommending, especially for Andrew Luck owners, pretty much all month. He came out in the preseason. He looked absolutely great in that third preseason game. Just almost vintage Palmer. He looks healthy. John Brown is back. We'll see how long that lasts. The receiver core is not great. 
Jermaine Gresham is his tight end, but he does have David Johnson. So I think that if you kind of put it all together, he looks like a pretty good option, especially for where he was going in drafts, and especially since he's still available in 37% of Yahoo leagues. And what really kind of puts him over the hump is his opening schedule. He gets Detroit this week, then the Colts, then the Cowboys, then the 49ers. I mean, that is that is just a great schedule for a quarterback coming right out of the gate. And I think that I think that he and you know Larry Fitzgerald, who makes a yearly tradition of being just amazing in the first month of the season, I think those two guys are going to come out hot. And then if you're looking maybe further down the list, you know most of the quarterbacks you'd really be thinking about in week one, they're drafted in most leagues. So this isn't a great time for streaming quarterbacks. Hopefully you got your your week one starter in the draft. But I think that Alex Smith is going to be a good option just moving forward in general. Gets New England this week. That's a really good defense. So it may be a little tough there. But I know everybody's in love with Mahomes, but Mm -hmm. Smith has been very good this preseason. Offense looks like it's going to be more explosive. I want to see that maybe he runs more, which that was the thing a couple years ago. He was so good with his legs, almost quietly with his legs, that he scored a bunch of fantasy points. We'll see if that comes back again. But I think that this offense is going to be more explosive this year. And so I'm liking him as kind of a, a second quarterback in two quarterback leagues, and and even as a fringe starter in the right matchups. So you really didn't want to nail down that Jared Goff versus, what, Josh McCown matchup to start? Doesn't get your juices flowing? I'm not super excited about uh, about Peterman or um, Scott Tolzien. No, it's, Week one, it's coming in it's, hot. <laughs> it's ugly, man. It is ugly, ugly out there for the quarterbacks. So. Uh, all right, let's go over to wide receiver and – just to, you know, make you feel better, Ray, let's start with, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the league, and that's Ted Ginn Jr. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for, for real, I, I have been an advocate for Ted Ginn throughout this offseason, and obviously it's just because I predicted that Willie Sneed would miss a handful of games to start the year. So, Ray, because of that Sneed suspension, this might be our biggest news of the week. What do you think about Ted Ginn in the near future? Um, cause obviously he was drafted in almost every format, I believe, unless I'm incorrect, but also moving forward. Yeah. I mean, he was drafted in, in the majority of leagues. He is still out there in 36%. And I have to imagine that he's been picked up, uh, in recent ones. And I, I was almost just going to let you talk about Gen because you have been caping for him all, all off season. And I was not on board. I was on the Sneed train and obviously, and obviously that one's gotten stuck in the station. But when you look at how the two receivers, Snead and Ginn, were used um, in the preseason, it now makes sense that Snead was going to be suspended because they clearly used Ted Ginn as their number uh, two receiver, especially in the third preseason game. He's playing with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know, everybody talks about the drops. I even made a took a cheap shot on Twitter. He dropped the touchdown. I know. He dropped the touchdown in the first preseason. I think it was the first preseason game. And I said, now football's finally back because Ted Ginn dropped the (laughs) touchdown. But he was he was quietly efficient last year and in an offense that wasn't efficient. So I think that, you know, playing in this offense, I think he's going to be good. He needs to be owned in every league. That's not a question for me. And I think that he's in that kind of wide receiver three range. And if you look in that offense, maybe someone who goes a little bit more, more under the radar yeah, maybe Kobe Fleener is the answer. And that, I don't like that at all. I don't like mentioning that name <laughs> at all after last year. But, you know, they're going to have to throw to somebody. His usage in the preseason was a little weird, too. He was playing into the fourth quarter of that second preseason game, just like Willie Sneed. But I think that he's going to come out, be the starter, maybe pick up some of those targets underneath, maybe in those slot targets. And he's still a red zone weapon. So 
I think that Kobe Fleener, he's out there in half of leagues. I think if you're looking for a tight end, he's somebody that can, that can do the job while Willie Sneed is out. And obviously Fleener might see some time in the slot, but there's no real like obvious slot option the Saints can like put someone in and fill in in this scenario, right? I mean, I know they picked up Austin Carr off waivers and but I mean, is Brandon Coleman the option in three wide receiver sets and you move get inside? Like we we don't know. So it's not like you can just fill in someone for Willie Sneed in these first uh three games. Talking about slot receivers, Ray, the Buffalo Bills have a lot of them. Uh, and let's move over to Zay Jones, who theoretically, if we were to project a number one wide receiver label, Zay Jones would have that for the Bills. Well, I actually read something this morning from one of the beat writers that said that Jordan Matthews is the unquestioned number one, which I questioned, yes. which suggests that that's not true. But, you know, at the very least, Jordan Matthews hurt himself, didn't hurt himself, was injured. I'm not going to put that on Jordan Matthews. I apologize. But he was injured in his first practice with the Bills. He hasn't had a full practice yet. We're recording this on Monday. He still hasn't been fully cleared. I do think that Jordan Matthews at some point is going to take over as like the quote unquote number one option and end up with the most targets in any given week. But I don't think that's going to be week one. I think that that's Zay Jones. And Zay Jones was not efficient in the third preseason game, but he saw eight targets. That's a lot of targets in a very limited amount of time. He's playing on the outside. I don't know how comfortable he is there. We'll see what, that, what happens with that. But if you're going to get a guy that gets that kind of target share, even on an offense that definitely wants to run first, that's worth something in fantasy, and that means that he needs to be owned, I think, in every league. And once again, we are recording this on Monday, and so we don't exactly know the Tyrod-Nathan-Peterman situation. But with Nathan Peterman at quarterback, again, we're not sure, but possibly, like they don't throw the ball beyond 10 yards. So. Yeah. <laughs> like how, how in, I mean, I, I am interested in Zay Jones this year because like you said, targets is the volume that we're looking for, for receivers, but I'm not expecting so much early on. Uh, what about Paul Richardson? Paul Richardson obviously is facing green Bay in week one. Green Bay secondary has been one to take advantage of in recent seasons. And Paul Richardson has proved himself to be a big play threat. And I mean, it's not even their week one. They do, they get green Bay, then they get San Francisco after that and Tennessee and Indianapolis. They're, you're not scared of any of those secondaries. I think Tennessee is going to be better this year, but you're still not terrified of any of those. And like you mentioned, we've seen Paul Richardson put up big games. And I think going into the season, now that Jermaine Curse has been traded, now that you know Tyler Lockett didn't suit up in the preseason, we don't know how healthy he is. He's probably going to be limited. I think that Paul Richardson is the number two receiver and number three passing game option in Seattle. And that's a, you know, that's a big deal for Russell Wilson, who Russell Wilson was amazing in the preseason. Outstanding. Possible Looked back QB1 to himself. This year. He was unbelievable. Um, he was moving. He was creating big plays uh, in the pocket like he's done in the past. You know who would be a good guy to benefit from those types of plays? Uh -oh. Paul Richardson. There we go. And so I think that, I think that he, coming out as his number two receiver, he's going to have a couple big games in these first couple weeks. And he's owned in 3% of Yahoo Leagues. I think that that's I think that's crazy. I'm not saying that you have to own him in a 10 team league, but if you're in a 14 team league and he's out there on the wire, I would be running to pick up Paul Richardson. Ray, let's hop into a time machine back to 2013 and get excited for Kendall Wright. Now <laughs> with the Chicago Bears, he's facing the Atlanta Falcons, which I think could be a not a surprise defense, but a, a really starting caliber defense each and every week. Uh, but obviously, the Bears do not have you know three, four, five comp competent wide receivers on their roster. Dude, they have one in Kendall Wright. 
I, you know, I wanted to ask you this because I remembered this and it, maybe it was a fever dream. I don't know. But didn't we talk about Kendall Wright signing in Chicago on this very podcast? Because Did you we? and I are both fans of Kendall Wright. Didn't that happen? Did we? I mean, we obviously are fans of Kendall Wright, so it would not surprise me if a Kendall Wright discussion came up. But I'm not sure if we if we discussed him signing with Chicago. But, like, I mean, we, we just mentioned it. Cameron Meredith was possibly going to have a, 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 a very good season, especially for fantasy purposes. And now there is literally no one on that receiving group outside of Kendall Wright who might be able to catch a pass. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the other name would be uh, Kevin White. But... I'm not holding my breath with him. I, I assume I would very much guess the Bears want him to develop into that kind of number one. Uh, and maybe he will. We'll see what happens. I, I, again, not holding my breath. Hmm. Kendall Wright has shown uh, seemingly a connection with Mike Glennon in the preseason. He has six, pa- count six passes for 58 yards and a touchdown, almost like in a chain-moving kind of way. If someone's going to come out and get those 125 targets that probably were going to go Cameron Meredith's way, I think that Kendall Wright's going to get a lot of them. He's out there in 90% of leagues, especially in PPR formats. I think he needs to be picked up. And and in standard formats, I, I think he's going to surprise as well. I always knew Mike Glennon was the one with the key to unlock Kendall Wright's potential. Uh, I thought it was Zach Mettenberger. <laughs> I guess that's a story for another day. Huh? Let's go to the Rams. and. We've talked about it a lot before, but it's not like I was the biggest fan of Cooper Cup pre-draft. I mean, especially on the outside where some people thought he could play. But as a slot receiver, he profiles very, very well. And I keep getting him very, very, very late in drafts. And in fact, I might even play him in some DFS games in week one just because everyone's talking about taking advantage of the Indianapolis Colts secondary and defense either with Todd Gurley or Sammy Watkins. But to me, Ray, Cooper Cup might be the play. Yeah, and he was undoubtedly good in the preseason. There's no question about that. He fits in that role of what Sean McVay wants him to do. And I think he's probably going to be an ad in most leagues, especially PPR formats, just to see how it pans out. But I don't think I'm as excited as most people are with Cup. I, I do have him in a few dynasty leagues because I thought that I thought that his measurables were being overvalued and his production was being undervalued. Hmm. And so I thought that he was a bit of a value there. But I don't with Sammy Watkins there for however long he is. That's certainly a point that we should make with Robert Woods there with the tight ends, which we know they're going to want to use Higby and Gerald Everett. How many targets are going to be? Are there going to be to go around in this offense? An offense that, by the way, is quarterbacked by Jared Goff. Yeah. So I I look at it and I see the excitement. I understand the excitement. I know that people like shiny new toys, even when those shiny new toys run five flat 40s. But I think that I think that maybe he is being overvalued a little bit. Uh-huh. Now that doesn't mean you don't pick him up. He's only owned in twenty five percent of Yahoo leagues, so clearly he's being overvalued in the leagues that we play in, and not you know the quote unquote normal leagues. But I, I'm not running out to pick him up. Not even ahead of Kendall Wright. I would rather have Kendall Wright than Cooper Cup at this point. All right, then I don't know if if you mean just for Week One or whatever, but I will take a bet with you that Cooper Cup will outscore Kendall Wright this season. We'll do a little side bet action there. Yeah, well, I'll take that bet. I will take that bet for sure. Even though that goes against everything that I stand for as a human being, I will make that bet. <laughs> uh, let's go to the Green Bay Packers. You know, once they drafted Jamal Williams, like everyone got really excited. Uh, then there was kind of this transition where people thought that Ty Montgomery was going to be the absolute workhorse, um, both in the passing game and the running game for the Packers. Then I, I don't know where the situation stands here now, Ray. Are, are you... I'm looking forward to Jamal Williams. You you told me to put his name on the list, and I'm wondering why. So he, what Jamal Williams is, and 
I am an Aaron Jones supporter in this whole situation. I love Aaron Jones. I think he is. Put your bias on the table right now. I, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. I love Aaron Jones. I think that he is a better player than Jamal Williams. But what I, what I think doesn't matter in this situation, and what matters is the Packers have very clearly made Jamal Williams their number two running back behind a guy who has a medical condition that could pop up at any time, mm-hmm. who dealt with injuries throughout last year when he tried to be a kind of workhorse back, had an injury in this preseason. And by the way, he plays in one of the best offenses in the league. And if I'm taking a shot on somebody on my bench, that's the guy I'm taking a shot on. I'm taking the shot on the number two running back who's going to get work regardless and has a guy in front of him who is questionable. And I, Jamal Williams, the fact that he's only owned in you know 27% of leagues, every, every week I open up the ownership percentages and I find somebody that just shocks me how low they're owned. Yeah. Jamal Williams is that guy. I'm not saying it definitely is going to work out. I, I kind of hope it doesn't because I have so many Aaron Jones shares in my in my dynasty formats but i you have to make a decision based on what we see today and what we see today is that jamal williams is in a really good position to to maybe come into you know running back to value at some point and he's free you can just go get him up the waiver wire i think that that's a great move and like i said i think that's the exact kind of person that you should be putting on your bench don't put a second quarterback yeah. don't put a second tight end don't definitely don't pick a second kicker or defense Go and get the Jamal Williamses of the world and put them on your bench and see what happens. Uh, you also gave me the name of Jeremy Hill, and he's facing the Baltimore Ravens, and I almost vomited this week. Why do you want to talk about Jeremy Hill? Because he's the starter in Cincinnati. I know that we don't want that to be true. We don't, like, I, ever. I know for a fact we don't want that to be true. Uh, Frank Gore, his nickname is The Inconvenient Truth, trademark Rich Eisen. It's a great nickname. For fantasy owners this year, though, he has to give that nickname to Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill is now The Inconvenient Truth. He is, if healthy, I think he is, because they only kept three running backs. He did have that ankle issue, but I think he's fine. If healthy, he is the starter until further notice, until they tell us otherwise. Um, he's also going to be the goal line back. I, I look at that situation. I say, oh, who's going to score the most fantasy points in week one? Well, I don't think anybody against Baltimore. You mentioned Baltimore's defense is unbelievable. They're so stout. Yep. I don't think anybody's going to score a ton of points. But if you're telling me in the first four weeks who scores more points, Jeremy Hill or Joe Mixon, I would say Jeremy Hill. And I don't like that by any stretch of the imagination. But we have to at some point accept reality. And the reality is that the Bengals have shown us throughout the preseason that they're going to start Jeremy Hill. And so you have to make your decisions based on that. And unfortunately, that means that Jeremy Hill probably needs to be picked up. Yep. Volume is king, but please forgive us of our sins. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Let's go and help the streamers out there with some defenses, Ray. Well, I think that you have two great options this week uh, in the Rams facing facing Scott Tolzien. Um, They obviously have Wade Phillips as their defensive coordinator, one of the best in the game, one of the best of all time. Don't know how much talent he has, especially with Aaron Donald likely to sit out. So we'll see how that works out. But at home against Tolzien, that's someone you like. The Bills, much like the Rams, I don't know how much talent they have. I don't know how they're gonna, good they're going to be all year. But they're at home versus the Jets. Obviously love that. And then if you're looking for more of a set-it-and-forget-it type defense, a defense that you can pick up and play for multiple weeks, the Jaguars get the Titans in Week 2, so that's not a great matchup. But if you look at the rest of their opening schedule, including this week against the Texans, it's very good. They have a lot of talent. As long as Blake Bortles doesn't torpedo them, I think that they're going to be pretty good. Uh, especially in the beginning weeks and and maybe even the entire year. So there's certainly somebody you can go out and pick up. Uh, I got a question on Twitter earlier, and I don't have their handle up, but I I did want to mention this. Someone asked if they should drop the Cardinals defense 
for the Rams defense in just a 10-team league. Ray, I, I think it's kind of incomprehensible to uh, even like keep a defense in 10-team leagues. Like If you're in a 10-team league, just always stream. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. I, I don't leave drafts with defenses or kickers, especially kickers. I, I haven't ever left a draft with a kicker, I don't think, or wow. at least not in the last 10 years I haven't. Uh, defenses are a little bit different because you can get really good ones that you you can play in every matchup. I don't think the Cardinals are at that level, although I think the Cardinals are very good. I don't think the Cardinals are at that level. All right, deep cuts. Ray, your favorite part of the week. Hit me with them, please. I think you could probably predict some of the names on here. How do you feel about there being two 49ers on the deep cuts? Uh, one, can I guess? You can guess the one, obviously. One Marquise Goodwin. Ooh, that's not even the one I thought you were going to guess, but that is that is correct. Locked into the number two. If you watched Hoyer, they talked about it in the preseason practices. You saw it in the preseason games. He is going deep, and when he's going deep, he's going to Marquise Goodwin. So that's a good call. We, we've I've always wanted someone, again, to unlock the potential of Marquise Goodwin, and it certainly didn't happen with the Bills. Uh, but, I mean, if, if we look at coaching tendencies, uh, someone needs to fill that Taylor Gabriel role, and it seems like it's going to be Marquise Goodwin. Was Brian Hoyer the other one? He wasn't, although I do think that he is George an Kittle? underrated quarterback asset for sure, for sure. Uh, Matt Breida would be the other one, or uh-huh. Breida. I, he's the clear number two running back. Yeah. Joe Williams is gone. Tim Hightower is cut. Raheem Mozart is the other option. Most clear number two running back behind an injury-prone starter. I, I Sign me up for that. Yeah. Okay. There have to be more than 49ers on this list. <laughs> well, there's my boy, <laughs> Matt Collins, who I, who I am in love with. And we're uh, already big, going deep, man. We're already I, going deep. Well, I, you got to get the guys that are under 5% owned. So I, I'm looking deep. Matt Collins, I think, is out there in every league. Yeah. He had a big preseason. He's the number four receiver on a team whose top three is Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, and Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly something. Those aren't three guys that you're expecting to both stay healthy and be productive throughout the entire season. I think that Matt Collins has a rookie impact outside of just special teams. And because of his special teams, he's definitely going to be active every week. So he's he's a guy. And then Orleans Darqua, who the Giants just can't quit Orleans Darqua. Paul Perkins has not been good or was not good in the preseason. Coaching staff really seems to like Darqua. If that continues and Perkins can't do stuff, I, I think that – I think that maybe we see a switch and maybe Darkway even gets more work than we expect right out of the gate. Can I end this podcast with another 49er to name? <laughs> Have it. Have at it, man. 49ers and Browns going to surprise the world. Kyle Juszczyk. That I've, I've been on the Juszczyk train the whole preseason. He is their third down back, right? Uh, he's going to catch passes. Uh, and he's going, yeah. I mean, I, I think we will, be, we will be surprised at the volume in terms of touches or targets that Kyle Juszczyk is. And remember, going back to his Harvard days, Kyle Juszczyk was like a split wide wide receiver or in the slot. I mean, he was playing in a spread offense and caught the ball consistently. And they paid a lot of money for Kyle Juszczyk. So it wouldn't surprise me if you're in like a really, really, really deep league if Kyle Juszczyk isn't worth picking up. And um, John Lynch insists. Every time he talks about Juszczyk, he doesn't call him a fullback. He calls him an offensive weapon. That means something. There is no better way to end the first podcast. Ray, I do have one final question for you. If you could, would you simulate to week four to when Doug Martin returns to the field? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it, All right. There's, there's talk that they're going to move this Bucks dolphins <laughs> game, which means he's going to even, he would have to miss week four as well. And that's just, 
that I'm crestfallen. I don't I don't even know. I might quit fantasy if that happens. All right, Ray. Uh, again, if you enjoyed this episode, and I'm surprised if you didn't, uh, please subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, rate and review. You can follow Ray at RM Summerlin on Twitter. Uh, and go check out the Waiver Wired column, which is up for week one. We made it, everyone. Talk to you all soon. See ya. field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keep for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand